What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 56 of the Everyday Sends podcast. I am Jack Richardson, joined as always by Brendan Parks. We have a recording. We haven't done a recording in quite some time. I was looking back at our last one, Brendan, and it was, uh, the, you know, in the thumbnail on the title was Pierre Dorian's future. Uh, and clearly, obviously, that that's no longer the case. He's not the general manager of the Ottawa Senators anymore, doing a lot of live streams lately. So first recording here is Monday, November 13th. Uh, it snowed here in Ottawa today. Got, got the snow on the ground. So, Brennan, how are you doing today? Monday, we got some Sweden trip to preview. A couple games in the bank. We haven't spoken since before uh, the Battle of Ontario. So, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, I think, you know, a glass half full type of look at this. I'm just looking at Ottawa's schedule. They've won two of their last three. So, it's it's not as bad. I know I was listening to back on our last one and talking about how they've lost. You know, they were one and five and, and we had all this kind of negativity Obviously still feeling that way a little bit with the six and seven record, but I think it's a lot better. That win against Calgary was a huge kind of momentum builder and it kind of re reinstilled the faith from the fan base a little bit because they've had the, like they've got a five day break again. It's like a full bye week here for the second time this season uh, between now. This one makes more sense because they're going to Sweden, so they need like the time and they'll have another break when they come back from Sweden. Um, but early in the, in the year, they had like the same type of thing and that was kind of random. But regardless, Ottawa is way behind the other teams in games played in the standings. Um, so that that's fine. But yeah, I think that we, we've got a lot of excitement here. Six and seven, but they're not actually that far when you look at the points. You know, a couple wins in Sweden here. They've got Detroit and Minnesota. And suddenly it's a whole different look at the season. Like that's how fast things change. So although I don't think the season is still young, I think that, you know, you have to start winning games. If you win these two games, like everybody's feeling completely different about the season when you're coming back from Sweden than they are right now. Um, but yeah, other than that, I think we need to commend Jack for his two hours and 45 minute live stream during the game um, the other night. I mean, he, he went live and if you guys were there, uh, obviously we appreciate you guys stopping in because he he had like some great chats with the viewers throughout the entire stream. Uh, kind of a different thing that you don't see a lot of people do. And I think that's one of our goals is to be a little more unique. And I think that's something that, you know, you obviously enjoyed. You said you want to definitely do it again. So um, yeah, again, appreciate everybody doing that. And obviously Jack as well. Cause like I, I looked at, cause I was working and I looked at the, uh, the length of it at the very end and it was like almost three hours. And I was like, Oh my God, like <laughs> this guy went on and just talked about everything and reacted to the goals and just awesome to see. So otherwise, yeah, we can, we can dive into today. Cause we've got a lot to talk about. Yeah, it, it was fun, man. And yeah, just a thanks to everyone who was watching and it, it was, it was, uh, you know, nothing, I don't think it was crazier than what we've done. We've had, we've, we've had good, good viewership and everything and really good engagement, but it felt more personable because obviously it was just me. So I feel I had to, I had to speak to uh, the people commenting and that's, that's what drove it. Right. If there were no comments, I would just be sitting there watching the game on my own and you guys could watch me watch the game, which is weird, but um, the comments were great, great questions. And it's a good chance. Like I'll, I'll do it again. I think I'm tentatively going to do it for Thursday, uh, like 90% sure. But um, it, it, it's a good chance to just ask, you know, things you're curious about just anything that pops to your head you know and and I, it, for me it was the same thing i just it was random like a commercial break i'd just be like what do you guys think of uh you know the i think i asked at one point like the the shot counter on the scoreboard on tv now like what what does everyone think of that and then get opinions and it's just it's just good to uh to get feelers out there so yeah it was a lot of fun to do easier than i thought it would be to be honest um so it definitely won't be the last one for sure and we were kind of humming and hawing about a name for it brendan i don't know if you you caught that but uh, people were saying watch party. Watch party sounds like a good one. So maybe that's the way we go for, you know, in terms of a, a segment branded. I don't know. But like, 
I think that sounds best. Yeah. That sounds best. I was like, I was typing so many different things out, trying to like figure out a yeah. title. I even texted you and I was like, this just doesn't sound right. But like, yeah, watch yeah. Party like sounds- the everyday sense watch party. I, I love that. So again, it's not going to be an every game kind of thing, but, um, and we'll try and get both of us on I'm going to try and get guests. The, the hardest thing I found was the intermissions. The intermissions were tough. Um, especially watching on mute cause I can't hear what they're saying. So, you know, it, it was just watching a panel, but, um, yeah, great time. Uh, and, and definitely won't be the last one. So let's get into, uh, this Ottawa senators hockey. Finally, um, you know, some good things to talk about on the on ice product. You got winning two of the last three games. The Vancouver game was still pretty frustrating, but all in all, they won the ones they were supposed to in Toronto and against Calgary. Those were big wins. Um, so we'll talk about that. Uh, and also our power rankings. We had some power rankings that, that came out. What we're going to do every, all season is every 12 games, just update the list. Um, so our power rankings were before the Flames game on Saturday. So I don't know if I might have had a certain person maybe a bit higher, and we'll get into that a little bit. But um, overall, I think it was just a, a gauge on, on you know, where where we are at expectation-wise going into the year with all these guys and then where they end up after the 12 games. So we'll break down each of us just where we had guys because we had some difference um, differences in that. But uh, before we do that, let's talk about the last three games, like I said. So one, two of three, the Senators have. Uh, the Leafs game, let's start with that one. Let's just go game by game here. We were hot on the pregame live stream that was probably the most negative both of us have been together at the same time um this season for sure it was it was not good it was obviously in light of Kachuk and Giroux and all the comments and the losing streak five in a row on home ice going in like they had a five-day break in between that you mentioned um in between games so what were your thoughts on that battle of Ontario I thought of the three games it was their best game um you know, since we, we've spoken. So just give me your thoughts on the Battle of Ontario because that, that's the one, if you had to win one of those games, I'm picking that one 10 out of 10 times. Yeah, well, after we heard the comments from Kachuk and Giroux, like, of, of course we were hot, but what we kind of said was you have to go back it up now. Like, you can't say this stuff and then come out flat against Toronto. Um, Claude Giroux was my big standout from that game. He took that over. Um, I thought Brady actually was kind of quiet, but Giroux literally took that game, like, this is what Claude does every now and then is he just like legitimately takes the game over and decides the outcome individually by himself. It's ridiculous. Like he was making the plays where he's just, it felt like he was doing everything. Like the puck would come up the wall and he'd slide and keep it in and then like get up off his stomach and feed it to a perfect, you know, tap in like on the back door. It's just, he made every play he had to make. And it was just so impressive because of those comments he made. Um, and that's why I kind of tweeted out like Claude Giroux earned more respect tonight and he's already got all the respect, but he earned even more of it because he backed up his words. Like if you're going to talk like that, you've got to come out and back it up. And that's exactly what he did. I don't care what the players say. We were hot about their comments, but they can talk like that all they want if they're going to come out and back it up and win six to three over Toronto. Like that's absolutely fine because now you're earning it right now. You're kind of you're almost sticking it to the fans a little bit. It's not supposed to be like a there's not supposed to be kind of a, a rivalry there, obviously, but it, it is almost like they're proving themselves, which is what we needed to see. Um, Tim Stutzlow was another big one in that game, obviously four points. He also really stood out and had, I think that was his best game of the season for sure. Uh, he he was just making the confident plays. I posted a few clips to social media where he was just kind of doing the thing where he'd grab the puck in the D zone. He'd, he'd skate it through the neutral zone. He'd take the space. He'd kind of create the lane for himself, come up the middle and, and do the little toe drag shot. We just haven't seen that from him this season, in my opinion. Like, it's been too many turnovers. He'll try and do a deke, and it just won't work. Like, I, I just think he needs to get back to his speed and, and doing that. Uh, I didn't think he really was was great in the last two games, unfortunately, but he was really good in that game against Toronto. I think it's coming back, and regardless, he's still got 17 points. 
uh, in, in leading the team with 17 points, which is nuts. We're going to talk about him, though, in our power ranking segment, too, because I think we both had him pretty low and, and got some flack for that on social media. But I have um, I have strong opinions about Tim this season. I think like it, it's, he's such a hard player because he's got the points and he's got the production and, and he's still making plays like Tim is out there. He's making plays. He's noticeable. I like I'm clipping him every game and what he's doing. And yet we're still pretty low on him just because like as a 21 year old, but still like the expectations are so high for him. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I was happy with that Toronto game for sure. Um, it was definitely a must win. Like if Ottawa would have lost that, they would have dropped two, four and seven, which would have been like, that would have been bad if they drop, I think two games below 500 is hard to come back from, but three games is kind of like, you're tipping on the breaking point there. It's like now you're really needing a big, big winning streak to even get back into the fight, let alone actually make the playoffs, right? So I think winning that game, and it was in Toronto too, like that that was a must win for sure uh, and a big one against a division opponent because they went into that, I think, one and three against Atlantic opponents, which has been another big struggle for them this season. So very happy with that. Unfortunately, we'll dive into the next one too, but I want to hear your thoughts on the Toronto game a little bit as well. Um, but then they came out and they were flat against Vancouver. And that was probably like one of the more frustrating games this season, I think, um, just based on like they lost five two, but it just seemed like everything was going wrong. Um, and, and like I said, I just want to see a little bit more from some of their top guys. It feels like they're just not quite on the same page right now, if that makes sense. Like uh, I've got an article on everydaysense.com coming out. And, and the way I put it was like, there's a lot of individual strengths on this team. Like a lot of players are on pace to have career seasons right now which is awesome to see. And a lot of the core is really shining and there's still these really dominant players. And yet like the team is still not succeeding. So it's like, it's like they're, they're individually shining, but they just haven't learned to put it together to, to kind of convert those individual performances into wins. And ultimately, like, unfortunately for them, yeah, the career seasons are great and points are great. But as Tim has said before, like it's about wins now, like you guys have to buy into the winning mantra, or whatever it takes to do that. It's not so much about points anymore. It's about winning and kind of like, you know, most of you guys are getting paid now, right? Like you're not even competing for a contract now. It's a little different if you're trying to earn the big bucks, but now you've got the big bucks. You need to be able to kind of convert these points and individual performances into wins. So, yeah, I want to hear your thoughts a little bit on those first two games, um, kind of the highs and the lows exhibited there. Uh, and now Ottawa is obviously sitting at six and seven as we head to Sweden. It was a really unique um, part of the schedule, wasn't it? Right. You get you get. Toronto, Vancouver, and then uh, Calgary, like three Canadian teams. And then those three teams all played each other in the same like span. So it was kind of fun to follow. It felt like the Canadian division from a few seasons ago. Um, but the reason that I bring that up is because throughout the year, personally, I just, and, and just in general, you're in Canada, you see sports center or whatever, you, you can keep a general tab on all the Canadian teams. And I think, you know, I, I watch, uh, you know, spitting chicklets to get tabs on like, you know, the Minnesota wild when I, when I feel like it, because it's just teams you wouldn't think about, um, uh, that don't really matter for the sends in the, in the grand scheme of things, but the Canadian teams, like you want to keep track on all of them. So all four of these teams, Vancouver, Toronto, Calgary, and Ottawa have been in the headlines a lot. Right. And I think other than Edmonton, like I'd say Winnipeg and Montreal have been pretty quiet so far this season. For better or for worse, I think both of those teams are doing great. Like they're having pre pretty decent starts. But um, the four that I mentioned that all played each other in in the span of three or four days, you know, Vancouver's just been on a heater. So they're top of the division. That's what everyone's talking about. The PDO, like when are they going to come back down to earth? And we can we will get into that when we talk about that game. But um, with Toronto and Calgary, those are two teams that were struggling in certain areas, right? Like the Leafs had allowed four goals on home ice in a certain like consecutive games, whatever it was. And Calgary is just an absolute, you know, just, I don't want to say depressing, but they're just not an inspiring hockey team right now. So both of the wins that the Sens had this week, you know, speak to 
the team mentality and it's, you got to kick a team when they're down. And I feel like that's what the Sens have struggled to do over the years. Um, recently anyway, especially last season, I felt like, you know, you go to Chicago, they lost both games to Chicago last season. They were the worst team in the NHL, like things like that, where when you're a good team, you got to win every game. And I know we talked about Boston and how well they've started and how light their schedule was in terms of matchups to begin the year, but you still have to go out and win the hockey game. So they did that. And that's why they're the first, you know, the best team in the NHL again. But anyway, my point is it was good to see the Sens win against Toronto and Calgary because they were supposed to. And yeah, we can hum and haw about the Vancouver game because it was not a good game from the Sens. But on the second half of a back-to-back, that's the one you pencil in as a loss, probably going into that three-game stretch. So they took care of business. And during that live stream against the Flames, um, until the third period, it was kind of teetering. It was, okay, what's the, you know, it was one of those games where you're like, okay, what's the narrative going to be here? Because they've got a lot of downtime heading to Sweden. There's going to be a lot of media over in Sweden, just coverage-wise. Um, you know, what's the what's the conversation going to be like about this team? And it was it was decided in that third period against Calgary, in my opinion, right? They came out and stepped on the flames throat and that's what you have to do when you're expected to be a competitive team you got to take teams that are struggling um and just just kick them when they're down we've seen it with the like against the sends for years so overall very impressed and i meant you know toronto is obviously not like the flames they're still a good team and they're still in a playoff spot whatever probably gonna make the playoffs but they took advantage of them in the areas that they were struggling in. And that was giving up goals on home ice. And that fourth period led by Claude Giroux, Stutzel and Mathieu Joseph uh, was, was a perfect example of that. So overall, just the week in general, what was very positive given where they were, um, you know, one game under 500 going to Sweden, you find a way to get three or four points coming back from Sweden. We talked about how many games in hand they're going to have on everyone on the field. Essentially, if you can be 500 coming home from Sweden at worst, um, then I think they're in an okay spot. They really are. And me, me, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm guilty of this too, in, in holding them to a very high standard this year. Like when DJ said, our goal was to be 500 at the end of October, a lot of people and myself and you included were like, that's ridiculous. It's a, you know, setting the bar so low, but based on where this team is, um, you know, and where they've been the last few seasons, I don't hate the mentality of being like, just maintain the start like don't let the season slip away give or take um and then they're in a good spot because this team what they have proven is that they can't start well but they also have proven uh in december they really hit their stride like the last three seasons it feels like right game 20 to 40 has been when they play their best hockey which is kind of funny so if they can survive this sweden stretch without you know imploding again and obviously that's just looking at the record when we look at the play and we'll talk about vancouver because that was not a good game um, that's when it becomes a bit more concerning and all the expected goals are, are through the roof right now, or not even through the roof. It's the opposite of last year because the puck's going in more than it was last season. Um, and they're still losing some of these games. So with the Vancouver game, I'll be quick here and then I'll throw to you. Like I, it, it was, uh, it seemed on paper and even watching sometimes like the Sens were dominating, like puck possession, they probably had it more, but then you checked after, cause you weren't watching the game live. You checked after and what was the high danger, chances or or shots on goal chances yeah, it, yeah. it's nine to three for vancouver at 5v5 now ottawa did get a lot on the power play so we can note that too but like 5v5 is where they're really struggling right like nine to three that's a big margin the reason i even brought that up though was because after the game like everybody in dj smith and, and all the sense players were like well i think we outchanced them and outplayed them and i was like 
but you didn't like you you might feel that way but like you factually didn't so that that was kind of my point on that well yeah and you can you can live with you know and i'm glad you pointed out that stat because when i saw that i'm like that is that's how that game went it was vancouver being picky and choosy with their chances like yeah forsberg did not have a good game but when i i was on i watched with uh, some family friends so it wasn't really on twitter for much of the game but you you go and um you scroll twitter after that game and i the amount of forsberg you know hate that I saw, which understandably, because he did not have a good game, but he was not the reason they lost that hockey game, in my opinion. Like, I don't think that was fair to put it solely on him. Um, again, though, he does need to be able to bounce back from a, a tough one at the beginning. Like, it was a weird start, but the the nine high danger chances against, I you you might know, is that, like, higher on the, on the higher end of what they've given up this year? or like is uh, it 5v5, that? yeah, that's, okay. that's pretty high. I mean, it's just that they only got 3-4. Like, so that's if what you're going to concede say. that many, you've got to be able yeah. to produce offensively, too. That's what I was going to say. I could live with, you know, like, going back and forth, but it didn't feel like that. Every shot they took was from the outside. I think Batherson was, he had seven shots on goal that game. Obviously, he had a really nice goal, um, but, you know, every shot he took outside of that was probably outside of the the dots. Like, it was they weren't generating anything. So it's what that's, that's why in this live stream against the flames, I brought up the, uh, the shot clock thing. I'm like, why do you guys like it? Because in that game, you watch the game against uh, Vancouver and you're saying, Whoa, what's going on here? Like they're, they're dominating and they really weren't. They didn't, I, in games like that, all you have to ask yourself is did Casey DeSmith steal that game for the Vancouver Canucks? And absolutely he did not. So that was my take. It was just a bit of a sloppy game. Um, and the third period was, here and there, like they could have pushed, but it was more, it was the second period that just, they, they let it slip again. And unfortunately, um, even though they, they stormed back, made it two two. And it was that Kachuk missed chance. JT Miller just snipes it. Um, but I think overall, like it was just one of those ones you can move on from if you win the next one. So they did, they did do that. So, uh, you watch the game afterwards and maybe you can also loop in Calgary a little bit, just, uh, a transition into that one. So what were your thoughts on the next two at home, uh, both of them and they, they they lost the first obviously to make it five in a row at home that they've lost and then they beat the flames on saturday yeah the vancouver one it's just quality versus quantity and i've preached this for years now um like if you look at it vancouver had 16 shots and this is why people were upset with forsberg he made 11 of 16 saves which is like a 0.68 save percentage or something like he, he did not play well that's for sure but at the same time it, you have to look deeper than just saying well he let in you know five goals on 16 shots you have to look deeper than that like nine of vancouver's 16 shots were high danger that's the thing like i was watching them and i, I clipped a few of these as well they were just like toying with ottawa when they had the pocket if you watch them in the d zone in ottawa's zone uh vancouver like they'd pick it up and they'd pass it around and then they'd you know everybody on the ice would rotate and they do a little drop, but they, they would just sustain zone time against Ottawa. And even though they weren't getting shots, like I know people love the bounces and every now and then you'll get a nice deflection. And, and those are why you kind of fire all the pucks on net. But like, I feel like almost any team in the league can get to 30 or 40 shots if they really want to most nights. Like if Vancouver would have just shot like Ottawa was, they would have been at 40 shots plus two. Like it would have been there. It's just that they actually valued possession. They passed it around the zone, right? They, they really pinned Ottawa in made them exhausted like they they would just like pin them in for a good minute all of Ottawa's players would be tired and then that's when mistakes happen right then that's when they can be really exploited and that's what Vancouver did and Vancouver is a great example of a team who replaced their coach but didn't really change a whole lot on the ice in regards to personnel and they just got like from worst to best basically like that that's how big of a, a difference it's made so far is that sustainable I don't know but like you can just see the way like I was impressed by the way they were really able to pass the puck around Ottawa and this is where Ottawa's D zone, I, I find, is their biggest issue is just 
they're all pretty much staring. And I know that some analysts were talking about how like they, they can't even see what type of um, what type of coverage Ottawa's running in the D zone. It's like, is it man to man or are they, you know, whatever they're trying to do, it's not obvious. And I, I, I tend to think they don't really try anything. They just kind of try to like, I think they try to do man to man, but like the players get so complacent. If you watch them, the amount of times they're very high, they're caught near the blue line. They're just standing there staring at the pockets. Why teams can just pass around them and then get it to the slot for a high danger chance. Like conceding 16 shots, Ottawa came out after the game and they were all very proud of that. And they were like, well, we only give up 16 shots. And, and I think that's something to be proud of. And, and obviously we generated so many and that's where they thought they would chance them. But it's like shots. I don't really equate to chances. I mean, they're, they're chances. Sure. But they're not good chances. Like we all love Travis Hammond and blasting that puck from the blue line. We love the potential for rebounds and whatnot. But like, I just don't see the point of, of crediting the team for getting shots because really like half of their shots just are flicks from the red line for God's sakes. Like a lot of nights they just come over and, and Giroux's doing this little flick from the red line and that counts as a shot on goal. But it's like, that's why I don't like using shots as kind of a measure of, of how a team played is because it doesn't really tell the whole story. I think that's why I like hiding your chances so much is that tells who was actually able to generate the most. And I showed kind of the heat map too, um, which is just like where the areas of the ice where they got the most shots and Vancouver's was all like right in front of Ottawa's net in the slot super dark blue and like all of their goals were from there and Ottawa's was like nothing right in front of the net and everything from the sides and it's like are you going to take the the really good ones in the middle or more but on the outside and everyone's going to take the ones in the middle that's just how good teams play hockey is they create quality chances because I think that the whole like getting shots and everything it just relies too much on luck like you're relying on getting a bounce getting a lucky deflection and honestly Ottawa's gotten them so far this year they are first in the league in, in goals for per 60 I'm pretty sure um and like their expected goals are way worse because like they're, they're getting the bounces. They're getting the tips, which is so ironic because they they said they weren't, but they are um, defensively. Like all of their metrics are way at the bottom. And I wanted to credit Jonas Corposalo for the last few starts as well. He's now four and four in the year. He's nine Oh seven save percentage, 1.88 goals saved above expected, which is like just above average in the NHL. Um, and again, I think that's just all you need from him is you need him to be decent. Like I'm, I'm happy with his stats, honestly, like, He's had a 917 save percentage or higher in five of his nine starts, which is like pretty good. I mean, 917 is very high. Um, he's had a couple of stinkers. Like he had obviously that rough one against Detroit and then he got yanked in that one against Tampa, I believe it was. Um, but at the same time, like in the majority of his starts so far, he's been very good. So Corpusello, that's why he came in on my power rankings as reasonably high is because I think he's actually given them the chance to win. In probably like eight of his nine games, at least, I think he, he's given them a reasonable chance to win. Uh, he was excellent against Calgary as well. He had a 9.60 percentage in that game. Very good. It was Forsberg against Vancouver, like we talked about. Forsberg's had his struggles, which sucks to see because we were both really excited about him. Um, but again, my point here was more that Ottawa's defensive zone play has been among the worst. Like they are they are bottom three to five in high danger chances against per 60. Um, expected goals against. I think they're right there with Chicago for last place. Uh, like actual goals against it goes up which means that the goalies are playing well like they're at least giving them a chance but again when you're subjecting your goaltender to so many quality chances and making him sprawl out and stand on his head like eight or nine times a game it's like that's just too much right like you're, you're exhausting these guys you're really hanging them out to dry i can just imagine where their confidence goes when they're facing these many chances like every single night so i'm i'm happy with ottawa's goaltending i think it's been good but i wanted to credit corp salo because he's been a big star in my mind so far and i'm surprised that people kind of aren't happy with him i think it's just such a cop-out to blame him especially when you look at their d-zone play um and then yeah i'll just quickly throw in and then i'll throw it back to you i'll throw in the whole friedman thing how he was mentioning ottawa's looking for defensemen he mentioned that i guess on on the broadcast saturday night in between periods um how they're looking at the market 
I'm just going to say this, like they've had injuries and, and we can blame that. And I do in a way, but I I'm, I'm not convinced this is a personnel problem. Like we had Nikita Zaitsev and we've had Erica Branson. We've had Braden Coburn. We've had Josh Brown. We've had the list of, of just these brute defensemen who have trouble skating and, and being useful. And it's just like, we've had all these players and now we've got Jacob Chikrin and we've got um, Jake Sanderson breaking out and we've got Artem Zub back now. And, and like, you've got these good players. Shabbat's hurt, obviously, but uh, even Brandstrom, he's been good. And it's just, you've got these good players. I don't think it's a personnel problem. I think they could upgrade on Travis Hamannick, for example, but like is getting a third pairing defenseman really going to be the the difference in, you know, being last in the league in all these defensive categories and improving to being in the top half? It's not. I think it's more of a systematic thing. Uh, and, and I don't even know what the solution is other than the coaching, but we don't have to get into the coaching. I think it's kind of set in stone now. DJ's got a little bit of job security. I, I don't know if they want to get rid of him right away just based on what everybody's talking about. But yeah, just wanted to throw that in there too, but you can go ahead. I've got some thoughts on their D zone. Just, I was watching it closely on Saturday, especially because um, there were some moments against the flames, especially in the first two periods where the flames were buzzing around at even strength in the offensive zone, you know, and you're thinking, like you mentioned that I, I forget, I think it was Jamal Mayers who might've mentioned it. I forget what broadcast, but um, just saying, I don't know what they run uh, defensively. And, and and is it man, is it zone? To me, it looks more like a, you know, I, 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 it's all speculation. It's all assumption. I'm guessing that the mentality is when, if you're out there for a certain amount of time or it's been a, a shift and then you start to feel like you're getting hemmed in, it happens a lot in the second period, just in general to both to any team just because of the long change. But um, in those periods, especially in the second, I noticed it, it looks to me like when they scramble in their own end, they just kind of tighten up. And I think that's the right play. The problem is that's not going to look good analytically because they're going to be giving up a ton of possession in their own end. But a couple of times against Calgary, the reason it didn't hurt them is because the flames couldn't get inside and they didn't get any good chances. The issue is when the Sens defend like that, and then a chance is given up, you're like, what just happened? Why, why was that so easy? So if it works like it does against the flames, uh, where you just make Corpus or whoever's in net, make the saves that they're supposed to make, it's not a terrible formula and I don't personally think that they're, I think I gotta be careful with what I say here because again, I'm not, I know that they need a new coach, but I'm just kind of accepting the reality that we have right now because nothing's going to change imminently. So to me, their biggest issue is transition defense and that's where Vancouver exposed them mostly because that's where grade A chances come from and high danger chances come from. I'd be really curious because I know that their uh, goals against per 60 is, is, bottom basement of the NHL near Chicago. I'd be really curious to see what percentage of that is off the rush and what percentage of that is in their own end, because legitimately like it's not a good formula because they, they give up the puck a lot in their own end. But I would argue that just eyeball test the main issues that they have in their own end, when it's a great a chance given up when they're all five in the defensive zone is like boneheaded giveaways. And we'll talk about that with the power rankings with Stutzla because that's been my biggest issue with him. He's a big culprit of that. So I, I can see the formula for the, their D zone. It's the transition defense for me that, that, that I, I don't understand. There's no coaching involved there. Like unless they're saying just soak it and we'll try and cheat for offense because we're a good rush team. That's the only thing I can see, but I, and I'm not trying to put you on the spot here to try and find the stat, but that's my eyeball test because what they did against Calgary, they had two grade A chances against from my what I can remember. It was their goal, the two-on-one that Hamnick was flat-footed on, and then Huberto's breakaway, both in the second period. Other than that, I don't think the Flames had any good looks at all. So 
when you think about it like that, like I, I can see the the thought process in their own end. Like a lot of the times the flames were buzzing around and it's like, oh no, the fourth line's hemmed in there for two minutes, but they got like one outside shot. And that's kind of what was happening with uh, Vancouver, right? It was the Sens were doing that to the Canucks, but they're not generating anything. So there's a, there's a way to defend where it looks like you're getting hemmed in, but it's not really the case. So that's the vibe I got on, on Saturday against Calgary. It's like they're kind of collapsing a little bit and it looks like they're going to break, but then they just kind of get one save, freeze the puck, and that's what you rely on. So maybe that's the mentality. And, you know, their their defensive zone last season wasn't this bad. Like it was, it was actually decent. It was middle of the league. Their defense, right? It was just frustrating because they, they weren't getting results. Like they, they were legit not getting bounces. So I'm not... Uh, overly concerned about the actual D zone, especially because it's not going to change. But like you mentioned, one defenseman is not going to change that. Uh, he, he isn't. And maybe it's a Steos thing like um, about having too many left shot defensemen and they want the one, two, three with the right shots. And they had it the other night. They had Zub, Hamnick, and uh, JVD in there. And JVD actually looks great in my opinion. So we'll see where they go. But yeah, it's the transition defense for me. And I don't know if you, you pulled up the stat there, but uh, that, that's, that's what I what what I see right now. I do not have the stat because it's just not on, on I'm on natural stat trick and it's not really distinguished in regards to how much they give up. But um, yeah, I agree with you. I think they just, those chances, like a lot of the time they're, do you get caught pinching and there's not somebody covering for them? And then there's not man rush against and stuff. I did think they looked a lot better against Calgary. Like I know I actually was surprised. I was reading Twitter because I didn't watch that one live either. And, uh, people were kind of saying like they didn't think Ottawa played very well and that they kind of they, they it was 4-1 and I get it I mean like I was very impressed by Corpus Allo. he made some huge saves like if he would have given up a goal or two early in the game when they gave up a couple of those chances like it could have very much been a different story but I, I thought like he made the saves he had to make great right? and then Ottawa ran away with it um, I thought they played pretty well personally I mean uh, Calgary obviously the thing is is they're not a very good team so this is where Ottawa, it's good to beat bad teams. You absolutely want to, and they should be playing well against them and giving up less chances, but we need to see them do that against better teams. I know Vancouver's on a heater. I just pulled it up. Uh, they have the, the highest high danger chance for per 60 in the league. Like they create the most. So uh, obviously it's going to be tough against a team like that, but I do want to see Ottawa competing because so far, other than that game against Toronto, it's been a little bit tough to see them competing against some of the better teams in the league and actually holding their own. Uh, and not getting kind of played around with. So that's something that I want to see moving forward. Detroit also is another good test again. And, and that's the next game in Sweden uh, on Thursday, 12 PM start, by the way. So make sure you're aware for, of that. And on 9 AM on Saturday, I'm pretty sure too. So um, yeah, that's, but that's I think mountain Detroit, time for you there, Brennan, our East oh, coast, East yeah, coast yeah, friends, yeah, yeah. 2 PM on Thursday, if 11 AM on Saturday. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. Just advance by two hours. Every time I talk, um, but yeah, I think Detroit's a good test on Thursday because they're obviously doing very well too. There's, I think they're still like eight, five, and two right now, something like that. So they're going to be another good one. Um, but I just, yeah, I want to see Ottawa kind of perform better against the top teams because it's, it's always good to beat like Calgary. But then you look at Calgary and they're like four, nine, and two or something crazy like that. They're at the bottom of the league, and you're like, I mean, it was an impressive win, but was it really? Because like they should have had an impressive win. It's kind of just meeting expectations. Now you have to do it against the better teams, um, which we haven't seen a whole lot of yet. But yeah, I'm kind of good on those three games. I think Ottawa overall, two of their last three will take it. Obviously, they had lost, you know, they'd won one of their last five before that. Um, and I thought they looked really good against Toronto. Uh, Vancouver kind of put them to bed a little bit, but then they look good against Calgary. Things are trending up. They also got Zub and Brandstrom back, right? Shabbat is the only key defenseman missing at this point. 
Um, and, and yeah, so I'm pretty, I think things are looking up. I think we can get more into the positives now, as long as everybody stays healthy from this point onwards. Um, and, and there was some, some worries there at the end of the last game too, cause Zub actually did leave again after taking a hit. Was it a hit? Yeah. He, he ran into Tarasenko. Yeah, that's right. And it, it was, was, that weird it was his thing. head like exactly where he got hit yeah. by the puck. So it's just, uh, I don't know. He didn't it's practice, did not practice today yeah. and they're off tomorrow, but, uh, hopeful like they, it's, it's his head. So it, it could be. It could be a week. It could be tomorrow. Like, I don't know. So he's on the trip, though, which is good. Yeah. And do you have anything else on these last these three games? Because uh, no, not, pretty good on not really. No. It, the, the only thing, though, is like, you know, you mentioned you were a bit surprised with the reaction. It was it was the third period really settled things down like they they really took over. Um, But it, it was the it was kind of like the Toronto game, actually. But the um the, the second in general, like they, they had it and then they give up that two on one and you're like, Oh no, like, here we go again, uh, kind of thing. And then I think the flames had a power play at the end of the second and they were buzzing a little bit. So it was close. It was close. And then, um, obviously they, they, they get that early goal in the third. It was a big one, but yeah. So overall it was, it was a good three game stretch. You lost the one you expected to lose. Like I think going in, everyone circled that one as the one they're probably going to lose, but, um, win the ones you got to win, beat the bad teams, get the two points onto the next, the only, you know, the positive about winning that game, if you had to pick of the three, if you're going to win two, which one you want to pick, you pick that one because you're riding the high into Sweden. It's a good feeling. It's a Saturday night win. You get you break that home losing streak before leaving for another two weeks. Like their next game at the Canadian Tire Center is next Friday, so they would have to wait almost. You know, that's that's 13 days before playing at the CTC again. That would have eaten them up a little bit. So getting that is a big one. I think it's important. It was a sellout crowd again. I had some friends that were at the game. They said it was a great atmosphere. So it's good. You know, build the confidence on that one. Before we talk about the Sweden trip, let's talk about our power rankings. I mentioned we're going to be doing that every 12 games this season. Um, just just giving our, our, I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. It's where we think each player is. Should make it clear, and I don't know if people... I'm kind of tongue in cheek saying it's it's self-explanatory because it can't, it maybe sometimes it's not. So a power ranking is not a, this guy is the best player on the team. And this guy is the 10th best player on the team. It's a ranking based on that sample. It's like in those 12 games, who was the most impressive? And we didn't really give ourselves, you know, it was a minimum of playing half the games. I think you said, but, um, or a minimum of a certain amount of games, but we didn't say like, based on xyz we said uh nothing so for me personally i'll go through my list a little bit here and then we can kind of i'm not going to go through all 10 players maybe just the highlights one you know the ones that kind of stick out a little bit uh where they are in position wise but for me i went in just with an expectation thing on on them like like a I expected them to play like this and that's why they're here or whatever. So first place I have Jake Sanderson. We both did. I think we had Jake Sanderson at the, in the one slot. Um, he's been exceptional and getting Zub back. You can just tell uh, it was that game against um, I'm blanking here. It was Toronto. Wasn't it? Was that Zub's first game or was it Vancouver? It was, um, Van- it was, Vancouver. It was Vancouver. Vancouver. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously they ended up losing that game, but Sanderson looked like a new man in that game. It was, it was night and day. Um, Travis Hamnick is just, I, I, I lost my mind on, um, it wasn't the Toronto game, but it was a couple weeks ago. Like just, just two terrible mistakes. It was the Tampa game. It was the Tampa game last Saturday, but anyway, uh, getting him away from Sanderson is good. And I think that's not debatable anymore. And I believe the coaching staff is recognizing that uh, moving him away even before uh, Zub was back getting him with JBD. But yeah, so I got Sanderson first, um, next kind of headline one is probably Matthew Joseph for me. And I have him in the four. And the reason I had him in the four, 
uh, was admittedly, I forgot, I forgot about him. I really did. I, I forgot that uh, he, he was, you know, I just legitimately blanked. So I submitted a list to you and then I kind of just threw him in there, but admittedly I'd probably have him third, maybe even second in terms of expectations and everything. Uh, that goal against the flames obviously helps, but he is just so good. And I wanted to almost spend more time on him and just talk to you about Matthew Joseph and use the power rankings to discuss that. Same with Stutzla. We'll get to him in a little bit, but Joseph to me, um, the stats are there. Yeah. And that's kind of the, the vibe I had in the first five, six games. I was like, he's playing the same as he was, but the stats are just there now, but you know, watching even more, he just, it's defensively too. And I know he was good defensively last year overall, but the get the takeaways he's getting, he's using his feet to create space for people around him. Like he's not just over, you know, exceeding my expectations. He's legitimately cementing himself as a top six forward on this team and a good one at that, right? Like, I think putting him with Stutzla and Giroux for that uh, Leafs game, the numbers were obviously crazy, and then they also dominated against Calgary, but it's more like, it's such a different dynamic for Stutzla to have that he's never really had, and other than Alex Formanton a couple seasons ago, having that kind of speed on your line as a centerman is so valuable, and I think, you know, Brady Kachuk's a completely different style of player, but with Stutzla, having a guy with that much speed just only creates space for him. And we'll mention that in a little bit here um, with Stutzla and like the transition play that I've, that's my been my biggest issue with him. But in the neutral zone, having a fast winger, let's say you're Stutzla bringing it up out of the defensive zone, Joseph's speed, the other defensemen have to start backing off. Like it backs off the other opponent. So it gives Timmy time to bring the puck up, get it a controlled entry, all of that. Like it's just little things like that. And then the offensive zone, they've been, they've been dominant, but that to me has been Joseph's biggest thing is he's moving his feet in the defensive zone a ton and it's creating space for his teammates. And that's why Stutzla and Giroux are able to cook pretty much. And Joseph's part of that too. So what have you thought about Matthew Joseph? I know you also had him pretty high. Um, you actually had him second. You had him where I should have had him. So um, let me know like what you think about Joseph and you could just maybe run through a little bit of your list and we can get into uh, into the bottom because Stutzla is obviously going to be, be talking about. We both had him in the nine. Yeah, so yeah, I, I had Sanderson number one as well, uh, and I've got the the list pulled up here just for your convenience on YouTube and and if you're watching on the video. Uh, but Sanderson was one for both of us, and I think that's just because he's he's 21 years old and he's essentially been um you know a true number one defenseman. And I think that he's we we had expectations high for Sanderson, but he's really exceeded them. Now his numbers have plummeted since being paired with Hamonic again, but. I'm not even really that concerned about the numbers with him. Like I watch him play. He's making things happen. He's being so good defensively. It's hard to quantify that defensive play. Like if you watch him against the rush, he's just on another level. Like it's, he's almost never beaten by the rush. His skating is so good. Like he just does everything and he's so young. Right. So I think he's the definite number one for us. Joseph, I had it too. And I completely agree with you. Joseph, he's just, he, he, it's kind of what you said. He looked like this last year, except that now he's getting the production. Um, but he's taken it to another level. Like I find he's very noticeable every night. And that's something that I definitely wasn't expecting is that he's, he's not playing like a bottom six player, which is what a lot of people have him pegged as uh, and had him pegged as coming into the year, right? That's kind of what he's been his whole career as a bottom six type of guy. He's looking like the guy who they traded for in, in those first 11 games that earned him the four year contract where he's both like standing out and he's earning the points. Like the points are coming. The goals are coming. He had 18 points in all of last season and he's already got 11 this year. Like that's insane. So he's got the production and he's looking really good offensively. But like the one goal that really stood out to me was that, uh, that Chikrin goal against Toronto where 
they shot it in and Joseph just burst by the defenseman with his speed. And it was one of those plays where they like fired it would have been icing. Um, and they fired it off the, the far boards. And then Joseph went around and nullified the icing, won the battle to the puck. And then he like won the physical battle too, played it off the wall back to Stutzla and then Stutzla to Chikrin. And it was in the back of the net. That's just like that. That is a good representation of what Joseph brings in regards to speed. I like your Formington comparison. It's the same type of thing. Um, but I find like he's not just like quick and, and able to score goals and stuff. Like he's gritty. He's a gritty player. He almost has like a bottom six style where he's he's not afraid to be physical. He will throw hits. He will win battles. He's strong on his stick, right? He, he's got a lot of takeaways, but he's also able to contribute offensively, which is awesome to see. Uh, and I think he's really just putting it all together right now. And he's been, I would I would be fine with him putting him at number one. Like he's been fantastic and he's been one of their most impactful players. That's kind of the big thing about these rankings too, is I want impact. Like you can have points and that's great, but I want impact. I want you to stand out. If you're standing out, you're going to be high on this list, right? If you're out there every single night and, and just from the eye test, we can see that you are winning battles, that you are back checking. Back checking is another huge part of Joseph's game. There's been more than a few times this year where he'll come from behind the other team's net and he will hustle all the way back and nullify like the, the trailer on a odd man rush for the other team completely take away a high danger chance. Like it's happened almost every game. So if you watch those things for Joseph, you'll be even more impressed, but he's just been so good. I think with him, it's the effort too. like, he's so he like he tries more than anyone on the team. I think it's consistent. It's defensive. It's away from the puck. It's with the puck. It's everything. So very happy with his play. Uh, and I'll just run through the rest of my list quickly. And then we can kind of hit on uh, Timmy at the bottom too. Cause I think he's the one we need to talk about. So at three, I had Ridley Greg, uh, you had Greg lower and, and we'll read your list off after in, in total too, just to compare a bit, but Ridley Greg, I only had that high and obviously he's hurt now, but he was just like, I didn't even know if he'd make the team this year. I mean, it was expected that he would, but at the same time, uh, he'd never proven himself and as a full-time NHLer. Not only did he make the team, but then he had to play in a second line role, right? Which is then elevating him to something that, most people thought he wouldn't be able to withstand and yet he came out. He's got seven points in those nine games before getting hurt. Uh, and he just like, it wasn't just points with him either. It was the impact. Like he was really like dominating on that line and, and he was looking very comfortable, but he was also winning battles, right? He was really good defensively. He's their best defensive player on the team uh, among their forwards. He had excellent numbers. He had the, the lowest XGA per 60 by like he had 1.87. The next lowest was Brandstrom at 2.45. So like Greg, when he was on the ice, the Sens were just dominant. I mean, he his goal differential at 5v5 is 10 to 1. Like, he was on the ice for one goal against and 10 goals for. He's just, like, the most impactful player positively on the team through his nine games. His injury is kind of overlooked. It was a huge one. Like, they, they are missing him for sure up front. But they are still scoring, so not a huge deal. But, again, very helpful defensively. At four, I had Jacob Chikrin. Um, I mean, that's self-explanatory. He's been excellent. He's probably a Norris candidate right now. Five, Vladimir Tarasenko, exceeding expectations for sure for me. Um, Tarasenko, I mean, the whole talk about him was that, yeah, he signed for $5 million, but is he still an impactful player? Most people said in the preseason and training camp he didn't look good because he didn't really, um, but he's come out and he, he's been about a point-per-game player, and he's been very impactful with the puck on his stick especially. Um, but again, his goal differential too is is ridiculous. It's like, let me just find it quick. Tarasenko, he's 10 goals for and two against on the ice at 5v5. So him and Greg looked awesome together. They kind of have the same numbers there, but he's been, although he hasn't actually been that good defensively based on the numbers, he's like, they haven't scored while he's been on the ice. That's the simple fact about it is that he's, he's been a very net positive player. Uh, six, Claude Giroux, self-explanatory. I, I think a lot of people had him higher than me. The members, we actually got the members of everydaysense.com uh, to get involved here too. We put a poll up and they were able to vote for their top 10, which we then posted in this too. So that's another perk of a membership. Um, but 
they had Drew at number one, and that's fine with me. Like that, that's how close this list kind of is in my mind. Is Drew? I think he could be one. I just think that he's, especially at the beginning of the year, he's a little more quiet than I would have liked. Not as impactful every single night as we saw before, but again, still a fantastic player. We talked about Jonas Corposalo, who is seventh on my list. He's been a great goaltender. Like he's been an above average goaltender, and that's all they need. And so I think that he earns that kind of average spot on this list. Um, eight for me, Brady Kachuk. Kachuk, obviously leading the team in goals. He's got eight goals. He's been fantastic for, in that perspective, but I don't think he's been impactful either. I think he's been pretty quiet. Um, I don't want to say that it sat, it sat wrong with me, but the comments he made followed by a couple of quiet performances did not help him on this list because Drew, like we talked about, he really backed it up. Kachuk came out and he's, he's kind of had a couple of flat performances in a row. Um, which is fine because the team is kind of picking it up around him. But for him individually, I do want to see more and I want to see it every single night, not just here and there. He needs to find a little more consistency um, because, you know, he, he is supposed to be that guy who comes out and, and I think he has been, but he's supposed to be the energy. And I think some nights he is lacking that. Um, I think he was dealing with the sickness too and stuff, but I'll get your thoughts on him too in a minute here. And then we'll talk about him. And, and for me, nine is Stutzla. I believe he was nine on your list. So Tim, let's talk about Tim. Tim, basically, um, the reason I have him so low is because of the expectations. And that was that he is a number one center. He needs to be their most dominant player every single night, in my opinion. He needs to be the guy who gets the puck on his stick and makes things happen and limits mistakes. But he has been a turnover machine this year. He's had a lot of turnovers that have resulted in goals against directly. Like, it's almost been his fault. Like, it's a direct correlation. Um, Watching the film a little bit, too, he often gets lost in the D zone. He's had a lot of blown coverages where he's kind of just drifting and staring at the puck and then the other team takes advantage of that and he's just being reactive instead of proactive i think away from the puck especially he needs to kind of pick it up a little bit but with the puck too i've just been kind of underwhelmed at the same time he's got you know the 17 points in in the game in what 12 games it's it's like very impressive at 13 games um and leading the team and that's why a lot of people had him higher was that the points right and points at the end of the day do speak i agree with that I just think Tim has to be your most impactful player every single night. And so far, I think he's had, I don't want to say he's been a negative impact player, but at the same time, I have a hard time saying he's been positive because he's had so many mistakes and unforced errors. And it's just, I think it's been confidence with him. He needs to get the confidence, needs to get the legs under him and just kind of realize like the player that he is because he's been gripping it a little too hard so far this season. So give me your thoughts on him. Give me your thoughts on Brady too, um, just because those are two guys who have kind of had controversial seasons to date. Yeah, and, and that's kind of the eye-popping thing, right? I mean, I'm looking at both of our lists, the two similar things we have. We both have Sanderson first, and we both have Stutzla ninth. Uh, Kachuk, you have eighth, and I believe I had him seventh. Yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll go through, before I do that, I, I want to go through our, you know, just every player we have on here. The only differences, like we, we have us and the members had the same nine guys, just different combination. And then I had Kubalik in the 10, you had Norris, and then the members had Shabbat. So that seems to be the only difference, I believe. I was just looking at all that. Um, yeah, so it's the same combo of nine guys just mixed up. So uh, I'll go through. So Giroux was first for the members. He was four, fifth for me and then fourth for you, I believe. Eh? Or no, he was sixth for you. So same kind of same kind of vibe. Like The point is, like I'm going to try and do my best, just go through here quickly. But most of the players are in the same spot. So it, it's... I know we got some comments being like, how is Stutzla ninth? He's got 17 points in, in 13 games or whatever it is in 14 games. Um, it's it's actually 13 games. So he's doing well offensively. That's never been the problem. He's generating offense arguably better than he was last season, clearly by the, the point pace. Um, just three goals, but like I'm not expecting him to throw up 40 again. His shooting percentage was really high last year. Um, he actually isn't shooting the puck a ton this season, I don't believe. 
the thing with Stutzel, like you mentioned, is the it's the giveaways. It's the um it's the giveaways. So stuff like that where Stutzel was uh and, and I want to give a shout out here. I think it's Andy and Rono. Uh they they put out um it's a Twitter account that has analytics and they they show um offense defense and transition which is different than a lot of other you know analytic visually pleasing analytics uh on social media and they highlight the transition in last season i think stotel was in the 90s the 90th percentile around there for transition and he's just not there this year and i think that's pretty apparent so having him that low isn't indicative of his value to the team it's just indicative of when he's not playing well it hurts them in transition where they're supposed to be a really good offensive team. And as a team that struggles already to defend off the rush, if Timmy's giving giving the puck away in the neutral zone two, three times a game blatantly or in their own end, like I mentioned, when they've got that weird setup and they're okay, like until a, a huge mistake happens or a goal that goes in shouldn't go in, um, goes in that shouldn't go in, that's when it becomes a red flag. And that's happened a lot. That Carolina game, the first game of the season is so indicative of Stutzel's year already, isn't it? The 13 games, he has a great play in the third period, ties the game up. We're like, okay, here we go. Like this is a different, different vibe this year. They're going to beat Carolina in the whole, in the opener for the season. It's going to be a big deal. And then he gives the puck away. Just one of the worst giveaways he's ever had in, in his career. And it's just continued. He keeps doing it. He did against Vancouver. He had a terrible giveaway. He had a really bad one against Calgary too that didn't bite them. Like he's got to clean that stuff up. And I think he will. It's just to me, I think the points are masking all of that right now. He's shooting at 7.7%. I think last year he was closer to 20, um, which clearly wasn't sustainable, but he he has what one empty net goal, just two other goals other than that. So like the puck isn't really going in for him. Um but that hasn't been the issue because obviously he's racking up the assist. He's over an assist per game right now, which is crazy. And yeah, he's generating a ton of offense. Like that's never been in question. So that part of the game is there for him, which is good, but it's just the nine slot for me. And I'm sure for you is the same is like the expectation is for him to be this all round superstar and be dominant in all three zones of the ice. And he hasn't been, he's been dominant in one zone right now, which is fine. You can live with that because obviously those players don't grow on trees and they're not going to complain about 14 assists, but Another part of it is it's indicative of the team overperforming offensively. Like their expected goals are uh, higher than they were. Like, you know, they're, they're not, they're, they're overscoring, which good teams do. You have to do that to, to make the playoffs. Every playoff team, I believe last season was, was in the same boat. But um, I think the assists are, are a reason that's inflated in my opinion. Like he's, he's just not, he's not himself. And I think, when game by game, you know, it's been 13 games now, that's enough of a sample. That's plenty to, to look at game by game. If you're starting to get nervous when Stosla has the puck in his own end or in the neutral zone, that's a problem. And you got to hope that cleans up a little bit. I did notice, you know, in the second and third periods against Toronto. And then again, in the second and third against Calgary, he really settled down, made some nice plays. He had a really nice move against Calgary in the offensive zone. So maybe he just gets that confidence going. Um, other than that, same thing with Brady Kachuk. Like those are the eye-popping ones. You look at this list, you're like, what, what are these guys doing? Like, why is Joseph the second best player on the team? Or why is why is Chikrin top two and Kachuk and Stutzler in the bottom half? But it's just expectations. And I think Kachuk, again, it's another another case of, you know, he's got eight goals in 13 games, but he's got four multi-goal games. So he's only put the puck in the net four out of 13 games, right? Which isn't consistent he's just he Kachuk just hasn't been consistent offensively production wise this season and I think that's totally fair to say he's still having a good year offensively in terms of points like he's got 12 and 13 um had a bit of a slump just with his line like 
that power play unit hasn't really been going. That's kind of why Chikrin and Tarasenko have a ton of points, right? Because that second unit's been better and Giroux as well. But yeah, like I'm, I'm not worried. I, I'd imagine in the next 12 games by game 24, we'll probably have those two higher, hopefully. Um, but it's a little bit concerning though. I think that, uh, you know, and I want to, the reason I brought up the members rankings as well is because we aren't the only ones who have them in that area. Like the members had Sutzel at seven and Kachuk at nine. So, or Kachuk at eight, sorry. So it's the same, you know, the bottom half of the top 10, which is not where you want those guys to be. You want them to be at the top. So I'd imagine that would correlate over the rest of the season, but we'll see. I mean, you got to, um, maybe the next time we do the rankings, we'd have like an arrow, like how many spots they went up or down or whatever. Yeah. I'll have that. Yeah. 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 You're, you're the, you're the graphics guy. I don't know if you caught it, but um, during the live stream, someone was asking me like how, how the, graphic stuff work and they were asking if i do it and i said humbly uh i don't do much i don't do much it's all brennan so like i i gave you some props for all the graphics and everything because it's crazy like like the the aesthetic and everything it looks great so yeah that that's where i'm at with stutzla it's tough the giveaways are tough man like it, it really is like if he if he had 10 points in 13 games but wasn't giving the puck away like he is like i wouldn't be we upset but uh having possession is is being responsible with it on your stick i'd rather he dump and chase than put the puck right on elias Pettersson's stick to go the other way that's just the way i feel yeah and you're absolutely valid for feeling that way i mean it's just it's the mistakes like the mistakes have really plagued ottawa as a whole this season tim's been a big part of that because he's on the ice so much by the way, he's averaging like the fifth most ice time among all NHL forwards this year, like 22, 43 or something. So it's when he's making mistakes and he's playing that many minutes, it's really like put on a pedestal where it's it's a problem, right? It's not just like a like, oh, darn, it's an actual problem because the mistakes are killing Ottawa and it's usually self-inflicted, right? It's just trying to be too fancy or trying to make the play that just isn't there and forcing it. And that's been Tim's issue. And I think that does come back to gripping it a little too hard. He needs to just be a little bit more relaxed, but. Again, that that comes back to our whole thing about the team kind of struggling with pressure on them and, and they just have to be able to play through it, right? Like we didn't see it last year, but then this year they're a year older and supposed to be more mature and, and you know, everything's coming together, but then they're still kind of having these same issues with the pressure on them. So hopefully we can see that kind of unfold because uh, with a negative record, like they're going to at some point or another have to win multiple games in a row. It can't just be the whole like win one here and there and be happy with that. It's got to be like, we're going to go on a winning streak here and we're going to take the league by the horns. So. When that'll happen, who knows, but it, hopefully soon because it is kind of becoming a dangerous spot here as the year progresses. But yeah, I just want to see like the power rankings. That That's pretty much it. But I just want to see the top guys like Tim and Brady. I need to see them just be more consistently impactful and limit the mistakes because that's really been their issue. But at the same time, it's awesome to see some of the depth actually stepping up because depth was such an issue last year and in the past. Like Joseph playing really well is a huge, huge plus. That's awesome for Ottawa if he can stay healthy like that's. That's a big deal. Um, and obviously Shane Pinto will come back eventually. Ridley Gregg will come back and then the team's going to really start looking more complete. Um, but yeah, other than that, I think that's pretty good for the power rankings. Um, and, and yeah, I'm happy with the members too, by the way, just like that they had a good list. I know a lot of people actually agree with them more than us uh, yeah. in the comments. They Yeah, so it was it was a good activity and I think it'll be good throughout the year to kind of see how things change. I do want to mention, I didn't even talk about it, uh, Jacob Chikrin. Yeah, I had him second mm-hmm. for a reason. Um, it was right after that 31 minute performance against toronto i think that was that game that he played 31 um and then played the back-to-back and then played against calgary he stepped up when thomas shabbat went down he really did he was good at the beginning of the year when shabbat was still here but the minutes is what i'm focusing on and with chikrin i this is again an assumption and i should probably be doing my homework before i say some some uh, stuff like this but in arizona his injury issues it, to me it just didn't it didn't seem like they were freak stuff happening it just seemed like it was 
you know, muscle tension, whatever it was. Like it always seemed like it was little minor things that just kind of built and set him back. And then, you know, uh, you notice one thing during a game and you're like, Oh no, he might, he might be out for a couple after that one. Right now though, it just feels like he's, he's rolling. And if he can go out and play 31 minutes, then play a back to back rest up and then play against Calgary. They've got lots of rest time here. It's just, him his value is going to be games played like i don't care what the goals are what the points are the minus plus minus if he plays anywhere close to 70 games this season that's a win 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 in my opinion and um so far he looks great so i'm i'm really happy with that uh that's why i put him second just just stepping up playing those minutes those two defensemen just to me have been unbelievable un- unbelievable to me um yeah, I just wanted to throw that in there for chicken. We're already at an hour here again. Like we we we've uh, hit the hour. I say maybe we save the Sweden preview because we're going to talk again. I think uh, we're going on with sense talk to, tomorrow today when people listen to this. But um, I think we can get an episode in before Sweden before we preview anything. Is that? I think I think we can we can do that. We talked about yeah. We, we could even do like so Sweden that that game is going to be at. I was going to say 12 two for you. Um, I don't know. I mean, we could, we could do a live before then if you're available and a little preview. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> so we work in that. Hang morning. on. So if I, I'm going to work that morning and then if we do a live stream and then I, I was planning on doing the live stream during the game too. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then, okay. Well we can, we will, we'll find time. We'll and then find a little time. teaser here. We've got a little fun interview on Thursday night that we're going to do. Uh, won't won't tease who it is yet, but we got a fun one to, to drop. We're gonna we're trying to get a bit more interviews going as well. I think we 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 didn't drop the ball, but like it's busy. It's hard, man. It's hard to to line up three different schedules mm-hmm. and four different schedules, whatever it is. But um, we're going to have an interview on Thursday as well. So we'll figure something out for for Thursday's game as well. Um, but yeah, yeah, this is uh this has been good. I'm excited for the Sweden games. I really am. Um, just the 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 media around it. I forgot the lease were going. I'll be honest. I thought it was just the wild, the Red Wings and the Sens, uh, because the Sens aren't playing the Leafs, so it doesn't matter. But yeah, uh, at Avicii Arena in, in Stockholm, which is pretty sweet as well. So they got the Red Wings on Thursday at 2 Eastern, 12 Mountain, and then they've got the Wild on Saturday at 11 Eastern and 9 a.m. Mountain for you. So that'll I be love a, that. Yeah, that's a great little morning coffee. I mean, same for me probably. I'll be I'll be at work for that one still, but um yeah i think that's gonna do it there for for episode uh 56 we called this one we got some power rankings breakdown feels good to record one again it's been a while since we've done that. i mentioned that off the top our last recorded one had pierre dorian's future as a question mark um and obviously he's no longer the general manager of the ottawa senators so that's a bit dated but uh thank you everyone for joining please like uh the youtube video subscribe to our youtube account as well also subscribe to everydaysense.com for in-depth analysis we brought up the members power rankings we're going to keep the members involved like that throughout the season um i mentioned on our live stream too during the the watch party um i mentioned that we're going to try also to get segments for members as well just get them involved on the video and people seem to really enjoy that so if you want that to be you subscribe to everydaysense.com it's worth it in-depth analysis i mentioned brennan is pumping out the graphics and everything like that that's where it's all at like that's the spot to be for all of that so check that out thanks everyone for joining us we'll see you all next time and go sends go